Welcome to Short Stories, a Forest Lake and Anala Writers Group podcast and community radio series. This new series will showcase a selection of short stories, all written and read by a local group of experienced and emerging writers. My name is Tom Jones, and I usually have to say something like, don't ask me to sing, because I will, or something like that when I introduce myself. I'm retired these days, so it happens less than it used to. After a lifetime of various and interesting jobs, including being a taxi driver, a hotel manager and a paramedic, I have lots of experience to call on. I even delivered twins in the ambulance one day. Now there was an adventure. Nowadays, I spend a lot of time writing in the science fantasy genre. I love to escape into the world where anything is possible and there is magic in the air and there are no boundaries. My aim in writing is to provide a euphonic experience and try to make the moment appear in their minds and feel real. This is a short story called Going, Going, Gone. Our journey began in what might be described as the back blocks of Adelaide. There, we found a terminal in the manner of an airport with all its hustle, bustle and check-in desks, etc. Unlike the airport, we were served with champagne and orange juice, which we thought was a rather nice touch one sadly overlooked by the airlines. Once we had dropped off our luggage, we relaxed and looked forward to our trip upon the mighty Garn. We were surrounded like Custer had been at the Little Bighorn by about 250 people who would share our adventure northwards to Alice Springs, Catherine and Darwin. For convenience, the train was parked into two parts. By that I should point out that the train, when it departed Adelaide, would be over a kilometre long and for convenience of loading, its separate halves had a platform each. It would be made into one as we left, powered by two huge engines. Our cabin was nicely laid out, but in hindsight we should have booked the platinum option. The cabin was what real estate agents call cosy. You had to turn around to change your mind, and close something in order to open something else. Of course, Most of your time is spent in the saloon carriage, taking in the view and the alcohol. The drinks were of a high standard, by the way, and a good selection. We met quite a few interesting people, most of whom were, like us, retired. They came from the four corners of the globe, if indeed you can have such a thing. Suffice to say, the Garn's reputation is spread far and wide. We had a short stop at Port Augusta to change the crew, and in the distance the Flinders Ranges stood mightily, reminding us we were about to enter the never-never. Back underway we were almost immediately surrounded by saltbush, tussock grass, mulga, as well as some hardy paperbacks. The sandy soil began to change colour to the deep red that typifies the centre of Australia. The food on the journey was fabulous, quality and superb presentation from friendly staff made eating on the move a pleasure. But all was not perfect when it came to bedtime. While we were away, whining and dining, they had modified the cabin, putting out the sleeping bunks. Reaching the top bunk was like scaling the north face of the Matterhorn. To put it bluntly, which is something I am famous for, I climbed the ladder until my head hit the ceiling, and then performed a death roll onto the bed. It was at that moment that I pondered the return journey, not to mention the danger of falling from this great height. Thankfully, there was a rail that concertinaed into position to stop any imitations of Humpty Dumpty. <laughs>
I felt like I was in a morgue drawer that any minute a TV detective would slide me out and find some previously unseen clue as to my demise. I also pondered on the beautiful food, rich in its creation that together with the rather excellent red wine, now lay within me like a small container of nitroglycerin. Or was it a half-shaken bottle of coke? The reason I ponder this now was that it is not until you are horizontal that you notice how rickety the train is with its lurches and squeals accompanied by the yaws and clunks. I gave the bunk ladder a sideways look and muttered, Later. We rose early with the train stationary near the tall small township of Marla. We were to greet the sunrise, which was a treat rather lost on me. I had traversed the bunk ladder like an ailing spider, and gratefully avoided the event which could have had me singing the dawn chorus in a voice to rival a member of the Vienna Boys' Choir. Alongside the train they had lit some small bonfires and served us with Vegemite scrolls and bacon and egg sliders. The crowd milled about in the manner of a pagan festival, with only the standing stones not in attendance. The high horizon lightened in a show of majestic pageant, and as mighty Ra made his appearance... So did a multitude of flies, flies of biblical proportions. Yea, there was a cloud of insects so fulsome as to bring exclamations of great woe upon the gathering. Verily did our hero beat a rapid and somewhat ungainly retreat to the air-conditioned sanctuary of the train, not giving a rat's bottom as to the consequences. So ragged had he become that he reclimbed the bunk ladder in three powerful bounds before cancelling the morning and reaffirming his status as not a morning person. The gown slid into Alice Springs like an enormous python, almost silent yet with a slow and calculated grace. Its majestic entry imbues an eerie feeling as it travels the last kilometre or so at less than walking pace. The Alice is regarded as the centre of Australia and its name derives from two odd choices. Alice Todd, despite her name being honoured, never visited the town and the water sources they discovered were not springs. But you know, the name is a good one and we mustn't let fact get in the way of a good story. I like it anyway. We disembarked for an adventure round Alice and its wonderland. As we strolled along the dirt path where the platform might have been if the garn had not been so long, I was saddened to see our lunch partner, some looking somewhat tired and emotional, spread-eagled on the train steps. I felt a little guilty as I had introduced this visitor from Birmingham to a rather nice, nice bottle of Hentley Palm Shiraz. It might have been more than one bottle. People from the Birmingham area have an unusual accent. Points will be deducted here for people who laughed when behind their hand at the thought of my accent. Birmingham people do not talk, they sing, and if you do not have the music, you're buggered, you can't understand them. Six million people all with the same speech impediment, it hardly seems possible. Anyway, someone had sent for a wheelchair, so all would be well, I am sure. The first stop on our tour was Anzac Hill Lookout, which gives you a 360-degree view of the town and its surrounds. Alice Springs is surrounded by the MacDonald Ranges, a veritable oasis in the unforgiving desert that waits at the edge of town. Next we called in at the telegraph office, which was a game-changer in its day. Before the telegraph arrived, it could take six months or more to get us to send a message to Great Britain. 
This was reduced to a matter of hours by the telegraph and the introduction of Morse code. The conditions that these pioneers had to endure were harsh to say the least, and yet a list of the telegraph officers on the wall showed that most of them had stayed for around eight years. I suppose they got itchy after about seven. We then made our way to the Royal Flying Doctor Service headquarters, where we were regaled by a hologram of John Flynn giving a potted history of the service and how it was founded. It is an amazing story. Some of the planes they flew in originally were flimsy, to say the least. Across the road was a reptile exhibit. My wife did not accompany me to this display. Even the mere mention of the word snake gives her palpitations. There was just about every Australian snake on view, including the inland taipan, which is the world's most deadly slitherer. There was a talk given by a young girl who couldn't have been long out of school, and she was excellent. She introduced us to the Parenti, which is the largest species of goanna in Australia, and a crocodile who resided in a fenced swimming pool. His eyes said, Just give me five minutes out of this cage, mate, and I will shout you lunch. Or was it, you are lunch? My favourite inmate, though, was a thorny devil, which the young girl brought out on the palm of her hand. Back on board the garn, there was no sign of my brummy mate, and onward we travelled north. The overnight trip would take us to Catherine and its famous gorges. Rather oddly, that night we had dinner with a couple called Catherine and George. What were the chances of that? For dinner that evening we had crocodile steak and a wee dram of Hentley Farm. I thought of the crocodile back at the reptile park, and viewing the morsel on the end of my fork, I couldn't help thinking... Who said revenge is a dish best served cold? I awoke in the half-lights of the early morning, surrounded by an eerie quietness. All was still and no sound broke the spell of the moment I was in. I slowly realised that the garn had eased into Catherine in the very early hours and had lay back in its chair and snoozed. I turned over in my sarcophagus, and my rosy red cheeks met the cold concertina rail, and yea, the spaled spell was broken. I have slowly come to terms with the top bunk now that it is the last day I will have to traverse its booby traps and hidden dangers. Hurdling a barbed wire fence naked is the thought that springs to mind. Later today I will be luxuriating in a king-size bed in the Hilton at Darwin, and I shall not miss the climb or the theory that there is magic sleeping with the rhythm of the train. The myth has been debunked, you might say. After a smashing breakfast, we joined the hordes climbing on different buses alongside the train, here going here, there and everywhere. We were taking the gorge and rock art tour. We motored through the town of Catherine, drawing the sweet aroma of frangipani, which blossomed everywhere. Not many locals were about, but the flowers welcomed us to their town. We dropped off some people who were going to tour the gorges in a helicopter. We had braved the chopper in Waimea Canyon on Hawaii, and we didn't want to push our luck. You never know when it is going to be loose bolt day. Boarding a large aluminium boat, we chugged down the gorge and took in the grandeur of it all. The gentle water accompanied by the high-sided rock formation was mesmerising. No trailing your fingers in this water, though, if not if you wish to continue to count to twenty, or twenty-one if you had a hole in your pocket. The guide was informative and gave us a potted history of a mere 65,000 years of indigenous occupation of this amazing land. 
The rock art gives you some feeling of the passing of the dream time and the rainbow serpent. All too soon, it seemed, we were back for a nice lunch before making our way back to pick up the helicopter crowd. Fortunately, not draped over rocks or strewn amongst the branches of the trees like last month's fruit. We returned to the gan and headed north once more. There were a couple of dust storms whipped up by a pair of willy-willies and it gave the horizon a science fiction film look. We could have been on Mars, hurdling about wire fence. Our last meal was a farewell to all the people we had met on the trip, and even my brummy mate was once more vertical, and fortunately blissfully unaware of my part in his downfall. And then the train trip was over. We pulled into Darwin, collected our suitcases, and took the shuttle to our hotel. We had a nana and poppy nap before having an early dinner and an early night. Tomorrow we had signed up for a day trip to the Kakadu. Oh yes, a cyclone had breezed in just as we arrived and it's raining. This has been a short story written and read by Tom Jones for the Forest Lake and Inala Writers Group podcast. Listen for more short stories from the Forest Lake and Inala Writers Group podcast on your favourite podcast platform and during 2022 around Australia on the Community Radio Network and on London's podcast radio in the UK. For more information on the writers, visit forestlakewriters.com.au. Short Stories from the Forest Lake and Anala Writers Group is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre audio production supported by Brisbane City Council. Thanks for listening.